excited to uh, – and Quentin, I hope this is okay if I use this mic up here. Is that all right? And uh, Aaron, you can have this one. He gave me the cordless mic. I love you. Wow. Oh, hi. <laughs> I was like – it is really warm in here. I am just going to point that out. Are we on? Oh, there so it if is. If I pass good, good. out, it's not because I'm nervous. All right. Well, hey, we're excited to talk about love, dating, and relationships tonight. Uh, my name is Steve. If you're here for the first time, we'd just like to welcome you to Chi Alpha. We're so thankful that you are here. And, uh, and yeah, we love hanging out together, and uh, we love Jesus, and, and we want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel part of the, part of the family. So uh, we're going to jump in tonight because we got a lot of stuff to chat about, and uh, I hope you guys are ready to have fun. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll laugh, we'll cry, it'll be great, all right? So uh, we love talking about love, dating, and relationships. One of the reasons we love talking about love, dating, and relationships is because we love each other, uh, but, <laughs> all right. uh, but also because this is something that's on our minds, right? We can't watch a TV show or a movie without having some sort of love story be involved in it, and uh, there is a lot, can we just be honest, there's a lot of bad advice on Netflix when it comes to dating, all right? Like, and, and then Disney Plus, it goes next level. There's even worse advice on there, all right? I mean, for goodness sakes, let it go, let it go. Like, what kind of way is that to handle your emotions? You know what I'm saying? Anyways, uh, <laughs> some of you are like, those are fighting words. Uh, Steve, you just insulted Frozen. <laughs> But for real, there's a lot of bad advice out there. And the reality is, is look around the room right now. Everybody look around the room. The, the, the statistics will tell you that the majority of the people that you are looking at are going to be married sometime in the next probably five to maybe ten years, right? Uh, some of you are like, please, five? Help me break the curve. This is on our minds, and I, we really do believe this, is that there's a godly way to do everything in life, and that the Bible does not, Jesus did not like say, okay, disciples, please come sit down, and let me tell you now how to impress the ladies. He didn't say that. Well, he might have. I don't know, but uh, it's not recorded in scripture necessarily, so, uh, but Scripture does talk a lot about how to handle relationships and how to handle them in a selfless way and how to get rid of the selfishness that's in your life. And if you think about it, 100% of our relationship problems come from selfishness, right? I'm putting my needs above somebody else's needs, conflict happens, and then everything else kind of falls apart from there. So go ahead. So this, if you are in this room and you're like, I am not even interested in dating, I couldn't care less at this moment in my life, or I know this maybe sounds weird to some of us, but maybe you feel like God has called you to a life of singlehood, and that's like a beautiful calling, and it is just as high of a calling as marriage is, and so I want you to know that tonight is still for you, so don't check out, don't leave, that these principles not only apply to marriage or a dating relationship, but they also apply to friendships and just healthy relationships with other humans. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're not here to make Chi Alpha a dating service. That's not why we talk about this, but we do talk about this because a lot of you will start dating. All right. Uh, not after tonight, but like someday. All right. 
Golly. We're actually going to set up speed dating after this. No, that's not, that's not <laughs> what we're doing. No, we're not doing that. Don't even joke about that. Uh, um, you might be here tonight and you say, Steve, I came with a friend. I don't even have a biblical worldview. I don't believe in Jesus. Maybe that's you tonight. And we just want you to, uh, to, to not check out as well because uh, I really, we really do believe this, that uh, Jesus did relationships well. All right. He did friendships well. He was uh, an ama- he, he was the most loving human being to ever walk the face of the earth. And so I think he knows something about love. Amen. All right. And so uh, even if you like, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is right. I don't know. I, yeah, just we don't want you to check out either, because uh, if we had to be honest with ourselves, the world doesn't necessarily we can look at the world and be like, I think it's a little messed up the way the world handles relationships. All right. Do we agree with that? All right, cool. So we're going to look in Scripture at 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, if you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard these verses before. Uh, but uh, but this, is, this is the definition of love, and it's so, so beautiful. Go ahead. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Okay, so we're going to look at this as our definition of love. And we're going to, from this, pull uh, six questions that we can ask ourselves before we even get into a dating relationship. Uh, this first week is all about kind of making sure that we are in a healthy spot. And if you're in a relationship, uh, these questions still apply to you because you can, maybe you're going to be able to identify, oh, that's why there's some conflict or there's a rift between us or there's whatever going on, or maybe uh, this is whatever. So if you, wherever you are at in your relational status, uh, here are six questions that we can ask ourselves uh, before we start dating, um, and uh, yeah, so go ahead, Emily. Alrighty. So first question is, nope. Okay. <laughs> Do I understand Jesus's love for me? Is that something that I understand and that I can start to grasp? Because it, I have been following Jesus for a very long time, and I still have not grasped totally what His love for me looks like, and like how I can actually take that as my own. But in 1 John 14, it says that we love because Jesus first loved us. And that's how we can love. And so I think it's really important to be able to actually start to understand that God loves you. That it's not like a strings attached type of love. It's not like a self-centered love because in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how like love is patient. God is patient with you. He doesn't dishonor you. And if we start taking that and owning that, we're able to actually love people, not selfishly and selflessly. Because if we're trying constantly to fill this hole in our hearts of, like, needing to feel loved the way that First Corinthians has described love to be, like, that's something that's in your heart. And sometimes if you look at your actions, you can start seeing, like, oh, I did that because I have this hole that needs to be filled by this perfect love, but I only can be found in God. And sometimes we do that with other people, and then our actions become so hurtful and selfish because we're trying to fill something 
that was never designed to be filled by a person, but by Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, that's good, Aaron. We, uh, if, if we haven't allowed Jesus to show us what real love is, mm -hmm. we will settle for what we think love is. Okay, I want you to, if you're taking notes, that's something to write down, all right? <laughs> uh, if we haven't allowed Jesus to show us what real love is, we'll settle for what we think love is. Put up that, uh, Sarah, can you put up that the scripture again? Notice it does not say, love is a feeling, love is a chemical, love is a hormone, right? doesn't say any of that. But that's what we've reduced love to a lot of times. I just, I just, I feel something. It's like, I just love you, right? <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> well, I love you too, <laughs> right? Like, like, okay, cool, right? Like we've reduced love to this like thing that just kind of like spurts out of us. And, and love is an action. Love is an action. It is not a feeling or a chemical. Love is an action. And when we get to know Jesus' love, then we actually are able to use that as the standard. We can look at this verse and plug Jesus' name into that. He is the definition of love. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. He's not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. You see, the more we understand Jesus' love for us, the more we will be able to define what love is. The more we'll be, we, be able, we are able to define what love is, the less likely we are willing, we will be willing to settle for something less than God's best for us. Awesome. So if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to make that decision to say, I'm gonna, I, want, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to let him become my definition of love tonight. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep moving. Go ahead. All right, so the second question we have for you to ask yourself is, is my self-worth in Christ or it is, in the per is it in the person I'm pursuing? Ask yourself. Ooh, say that again because that's good. <laughs> is yeah. my self-worth in Christ or is it in the person that I'm pursuing? Is this relationship a need or a want in my life? Because if it's a need, like you need that, like we were talking about, you need that love to fill this gap, and you're finding that in another person, you will always be disappointed in the end. And we all know somebody who needs a relationship, right? Maybe some of you are like, that's me, right? Like they, they've only been single for like two days in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah, that, that's a need for a relationship versus just wanting to be in a relationship keep going I, if, I think sometimes we need to be just brutally honest with ourselves i like always imagine myself like sitting myself down and and asking myself hard questions and some of us need to do that tonight and ask ourselves do i always look for somebody to make me feel better about my appearance am i looking for somebody to maybe ease the pain that i've experienced in my life from other people so do I go to another guy or another girl hoping that they'll give me a different experience? Is there something in my life that I am trying to, like, fill the gap in using a human being? Yeah, if, if our self-worth is tied up in a relationship, it will become an idol. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, being alone will be equated with failure in our minds. And uh, when we enter a relationship, finding our self-worth in another human being, it leads to unhealth in the relationship. 
it leads us to having to constantly be together all every day, all day, right? It leads to us losing all of our other friendships because we are like so enthralled in this relationship. We've all had a friend who enters a relationship and falls off the face of the earth, right? Like that happens. And I think the reason that happens is because we're placing so much identity in that relationship. It also can lead to control issues and people being feeling jealous, like they have to know where that other person is at all times. All of these are symptoms of your identity being in that other person and us not having security in Jesus Christ. And so it leads to a lot of unhealth. And so is my identity in Jesus or it is, is it in the person I am pursuing or my self-worth? Sorry, self-worth. Awesome. Go ahead. Just one really quick thing. Yeah, please. I love Steve, and he makes me feel really special, right? But I if like I you're like, was... You're like, bro, like yeah. right now. <laughs> like you can... Yeah. Power move. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Steve, and he makes me feel very special. Oh, but if I was simply with him because he made me feel special, and that was like the biggest reason... Like, it is a good reason, because you should be, like, with somebody that you enjoy being with and makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. But if that was the only reason, what happens the day that he doesn't make me feel special and he actually hurts me? Because he's a human being, and he's, like, pretty close to perfect, but he's not quite there. Because he's not Jesus. I'm <laughs> far from it. All right. But what happens the day that he really lets me down? And my identity is wrapped up in how he makes me feel. I'm, like, our relationship foundation just crumbles. That's all I had. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about the funniest fight that we ever had. But we can't go there tonight. All right, so. Uh, it's just <laughs> okay, so the third question no, no, is. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I, have this, I have this habit of, of uh, my clothes make it almost to the hamper, but they just come up short, right, sometimes? And they end up in a pile right next to the hamper but not in the hamper. And so Aaron, Aaron's like, one day Aaron said, you know, this is causing extra work for me. And then she, I was like, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll try, I'm trying to change. And she goes, I should just go outside and sprinkle miracle Grow all over the lawn so it grows faster and then you have to mow lawn more often. I was like, I looked at her and we just both started laughing. We're like, that is the most ridiculous argument I've ever heard in my life. But it's it's the my favorite thing about Erin is that she loves Jesus more than she will ever love a human being on earth. She loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I'm okay with that. I'm secure enough in my manhood to be okay with that. Because if that's, not, if that's not the case, it leads to an incredible amount of conflict in a relationship. And Aaron already said this, but I, I will constantly be, Aaron would constantly be disappointed with me because of my humanity and my flesh. But there's a person named Jesus who will never disappoint her. And so when we have conflict in our relationship, we run to Jesus, we sort it out with Jesus. He says, Steve, She's right. You were wrong. <laughs> and then we go back and we resolve it. Uh, so it's a really, really beautiful thing. Awesome. Go ahead. All right. So the third question is, instead of looking for the right one, am I becoming the right one? So 
maybe it's just the girls in this room, but sometimes we create like a little list of things that we're looking for in someone. I remember doing this. I had a really good <laughs> friend in high school that had like this perfect list of like an impossible person. Let's like six foot two, blonde hair, 2% body fat, like that type of, I'm just kidding. But it was like a very impossible. That's like unhealthy. That yeah. is like. <laughs> don't do that. You need so, to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, we don't create a list of like impossible dream people, but we create, it's good sometimes to create a list of like non-negotiable things. Like one of my things was that somebody loves Jesus more than they love me. And I found that in Steve. A non-negotiable was that he had curly brown hair, and that was just a bonus. Or a negotiable. Negotiable, yeah. Bonus. This is a non-negotiable. All right. But the other thing that we can't just create this list. I didn't know that was on your negotiable list. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. That's cool. Hey. Prayer works. Wow. Just kidding. Um, so anyway, the so we don't just create this big like list for our perfect person, mm-hmm. but we also have to create a list for ourselves and ask ourselves if we are becoming a person the one we're looking for is looking for. Am I somebody, that perfect person that I just dreamed up, am I somebody that that person would actually want to go for? Because sometimes we just work on this like perfect list, but we never actually ask ourselves like, Would I like, would they, if somebody that is that quality, would they like me? And I'm not saying to go slip into like self-deprecation and nobody will ever love me. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and not just try to find the right person, but become the right person. I, uh, wow. God bless you. That was, that was amazing. Uh, (laughs) I think we need to make sure that the greatest, the, on your wedding day, the greatest gift you should be giving your spouse is the person that you are, your character. That is, that is the greatest gift that you can give your spouse is the character, the core of who you are. And so start working on that now. And part of the way we work on that is to make sure that we can answer the first two questions well. That Jesus is defining my love and that my self-worth isn't going to be found in this relationship. And so, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll just stop there. Let's keep rolling. So the fourth question is, am I looking for a healthy person in a healthy place? The odds of finding a diamond in the rough are not I, impossible. I heard snaps on that one. I think that means they liked it. Yeah, it's right. good. <laughs> um, it, the odds of finding a diamond in the rough is not impossible, but it's slim, and we shouldn't be looking for it there. So our focus sometimes gets off because we want something. Maybe we have a hole in our heart that we're trying to fill, and we really want something, and so we start getting desperate. Or we just see what our culture is doing, and we think, okay, that's like how – I remember talking to a group of girls, and they're like, well, the only way to find a guy is to go to a bar or get on Tinder. And that's like what our culture tells us, but it's not true. I am just going to throw that out there. And I did this last year, so you know what's coming, people who are last year, but just – can everyone take their phone out real quick? Yeah, t- actually take it out. Everybody take it out. Take it out. Yeah. That's good. Um, I just want you to scroll through your little apps there. Not everyone has their phones out, but yeah, yeah. maybe we'll you just don't you. even we'll have it with you because you, you want to yeah. stay. All right. If you have a hookup app on your phone, I'm just going to ask you to, like, very much consider deleting that. And I'm not trying to shame you or yeah. anything like that. 
But I am saying, obviously there's quality people on hookup apps because you guys are here and some of you have it on your phone. But what I'm trying to say is the chances of finding somebody that has your best interest in mind, that loves Jesus more than they love you, that is like selflessly loving and not selfishly getting on a hookup app is very slim. But if we look around this room, and it's not a plug that Kyle is your new dating service, but there's a lot of people in this room that is your that like is your age that loves Jesus. And I'm not saying everyone here does love Jesus, but the majority do. And so what I'm saying is there's chances to find people other than on what our culture says. And we don't have to get into the zone that this is the only way when you have an incredible other ways. And it, I found Steve at a mutual friend's wedding, but through people that I knew and like respected and I trusted that like vouched for him. And so there's a lot of ways to find someone and we don't have to become so desperate to look on a hookup app for people. So I'm not trying to shame you, but I love you. Yeah, I, I went, a lot of my friends found their future spouses in Chi Alpha and I kind of went rogue and I found this girl at a wedding, right? I was like, wow, she's gorgeous. And, uh, and we start talking that night and, uh, and I was, I remember I called my, one of my friends who grew up going to the same church as Aaron and I called him like, all right, give, give me the skinny. What, what is wrong with this girl? All right. She's got it. She's got, there's gotta be something. She's got to like collect toenails or something like that. Because why is she, I was like, I don't understand why she's still single. This doesn't make sense to me. Like, how could she grow up her entire life in that church and nobody gobble her up, you know? And, uh, and, and he's like, no, nah, Steve, I, I, I don't think there's anything weird. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> All right. So it was anyways, that's besides the point. Why did I go there? I don't understand why I went there. Uh, we're going to keep rolling. Okay, great. Good, 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 good. All right. Number five. Are we ready for number? We doing okay? We doing okay? All right. So number five is, uh, uh, probably the spiciest one of all. Have I surrendered my sexuality to God? Have I surrendered my sexuality to God? Love does not contain dishonor. It does not delight in evil. It always protects and it is not self-seeking. When we fail to surrender our sexuality to God, we approach our sexuality selfishly. And it is the opposite of the character. Selfishness is the opposite of the character of God. Now, we're about to talk about sex, and our heart here is not to be condemning. If you have a very sexual past, a sexually active past, we want you to know that Jesus can redeem that. And he's redeemed it millions of times, and he can redeem that in your life. This is by no means something meant to shame you. But we also want you to know that this is by no means something that, that we want you to write off as old-fashioned. All right? Paul writes to the first Corinthian or to to the first Corinthians. He writes to the Corinthian church about uh, how to bring your sexuality underneath the lordship of Jesus. And the Corinthian people, their society would have made our current society blush. They were a very sexually promiscuous bunch. They would have made America blush when it comes to sexuality. And Paul 
at that time needed to bring some correction to this. So this isn't old-fashioned, like, oh, it's just for the, for the Bible. No, no, no. Paul said these things to a group of people that needed some, some correction in this area. And I, what we want you to understand is that God invented sex. He created it. He has a plan for it since the beginning. And so we can trust him that he knows how this best works. So our culture has a culture of casual sex. And that tells us a lie that we can have sex with no strings attached, and it's not a big deal, and it's possible. But I guarantee anyone that has been hurt by sex knows that that's not true, and that that is a lie, and our culture is trying to tell us that. Can, can, we're just going to pause here for a second, okay? We're going to do a little uh, social experiment, if you will. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you know someone that's been hurt by sex in some way. Raise them up, and raise them up high, Okay. Now, I want to need you to leave them up. Now, look around the room. That's everybody. So, is it okay to admit that maybe there's a different way to do this? That might just be a little bit better that's not going to cause every single person in the room to be left with a baggage of hurt. And I believe that that way is God's way, and we just need to trust that. So if the world is doing it obviously not the best way, let's trust God that maybe his way is a little bit better. So God actually created and designed sex. So that's pretty cool. It's not this like forbidden thing that, yeah, it's not forbidden. It was designed by God, but it was designed with parameters and for a purpose. And those purpose, that purpose was to be in a covenant marriage relationship. And when we take it outside of those parameters, we experience something that God created to be really beautiful as something that can be really damaging and hurtful. And that's not how God actually created it to be. Has anyone ever read directions for a hair dryer before? I have. And there's this little thing in like every single hair dryer compelling direction. Read. Compelling read, by the way. All right. It's very compelling. Yep. Sometimes you just need something to read. So anyway, in every hair dryer, there's a warning that says, do not use while in a bathtub. And like some of us, they had to make that for a reason, which is kind of sad <laughs> that you can't like take a bath and blow dry your hair at the same time because people get electrocuted. And But how inconvenient that they would like, who are they to say that I can't blow dry my hair while in a bathtub? That's like my favorite thing to do. And that's really inconvenient, and I don't think that they should put that warning for me. We need to talk. <laughs> Just kidding. But see, the, the intended purpose and the way that a hairdryer was created wasn't to be used with water. And sometimes, like, yeah, that's inconvenient, or maybe that's not cultural anymore. But God created sex with parameters and warning labels on it, and it's not to make your life restrictive or difficult, or to, like, cramp your style. God created warning labels on sex because he cares about you, and he knows that the damage can happen when it's not in the parameters of marriage. That's good, Aaron. And this isn't possible. When we were in worship, I really felt like um, God laid a verse on my hand, heart. Did you guys want to read it real quick? Oh, I thought we were moving on. No, um, just real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not possible for that to happen if we are possessive of our own bodies. And when we become a Christian, 
And hear me out, in 1 Corinthians, in that passage that Steve was talking about, in 1 Corinthians it says that our bodies are actually not our own, that we are now a temple for the Holy Spirit. Like, God resides in you, and we get a chance to honor God with our bodies. And so, yes, this doesn't make sense if we're possessive of our own, and we hold on to our bodies and say, nope, this is mine, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want with it. But it does make sense when we realize that, like, in us, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, make him your Lord and Savior, he dwells within you, and we have a chance to honor him with our bodies, and our bodies are no longer our own. And that's actually a really good thing, because he takes care of us, and he's not selfish. That's good. That's good. So we're going to, we're going to, I want to explain this a little bit more, uh, because I think this is going to make sense to some people, hopefully. Uh, Sex is a covenantal act, okay? And so when uh, a covenant is simply a uh, an agreement between two parties that requires two things. It requires a commitment and it requires oops connection. Okay? Now when God made a covenant with his people, what he said was he said I will be your God and, wait, yeah, I will be your God and you will be my people. It was a two-way connection. It was a relational connection. And because he was making that connection, he gave some covenantal commitments. Okay? I don't know if you guys can see this over there. All right? So there was connection and there was commitment, and that's what made a covenant. That covenant that he made with with the people of Israel led to Jesus coming to die on a cross for us so that we could be in relationship with him for all of eternity, right? Covenants are really, really awesome, all right? So what happens when we, when we treat sex in a way other than what God intended was sex is essentially the greatest amount of connection that two human beings can share. That's how God designed it. It's physical, it's emotional, it's beautiful. So connection is maxed out. But you see, if we are doing this outside of marriage, commitment is incredibly low. Maybe it's a one-night stand or it's whatever else it is, right? Well, then what happens is, is connection outweighs commitment. And when connection outweighs commitment, this is what leads to hurt in sex. I thought there was something there that wasn't. It was no type, there was no commitment, even though we had this incredibly intense connection. You see, and when we enter into marriage, since marriage is a covenantal agreement that's designed to be the closest thing that we can experience to Jesus's relationship with us, what it is, it's, it's saying, I am going to be 100% committed to you till death do us part. So we maximize commitment and we maximize connection. And it is in that that sex is best enjoyed. Because we enter into covenant with that other individual. We bear all and we don't have to worry about rejection at all you see how beautiful this is that's what god designed this to be and when we shortcut this 
it that's why it also causes hurt it causes baggage and we want you guys to know this that that god wants to protect this for us so that we can enjoy this and selfless selflessness in a sexual relationship is the best thing that you could ever experience when you put another person's needs above your own and so if you can't say and if you can't say no to something now you're not going to be able to say no to something sexual later and what i mean by that is that nobody ever is like on their wedding day and their wedding vows is like i am committing my love to you but after about seven years when we go through some conflict i'm going to get interested in somebody at work and i'm going to fool around with them nobody ever says that but that happens a lot right because a lot of times if we don't train ourselves to say no now we won't be able to say no later and so this is why it is so important to get this right right now in your life and we want you to hear this that if you have a lot of baggage in this area god wants to redeem this set you on a new path and provide healing he really does and it's a beautiful thing and he wants to help you hit the reset button and he says that the old is gone the new has come that your sin is as far as the east is from the west it is blotted out it is completely erased you are washed as white as snow those are all promises that apply also to our sexual hurt and our sexual mistakes so just hear that and understand that tonight and i believe that some people are going to get set on, on on a on a path towards towards healing in this which leads us to our last question and the worship team can come back up the last question is if i have hurt in my life have i given god time and permission to heal me Sometimes we have to give God permission to heal us. And sometimes we need to admit even to ourselves that healing has to take place in our lives. Oh, awesome. We, uh, we want to close with a story. Before we do that, we just got to, we, we want you to know tonight that God wants to bring healing into your life. And we need to position our hearts in such a place that healing can happen. Your past examples don't define you. Your past, uh, your past mistakes don't define you. Your past hurt can be healed. Sexual addiction can be healed. Whatever it is that you're walking through in this place, we believe that when we bring it underneath the Lordship of Jesus, he can heal us. We had uh, uh, my friend Kay. I've shared her story in the past. But uh, our friend Kay uh, was is actually my uh, campus pastor's wife at uh, at North Dakota State University, and when uh, Kay was in her twenties, Kay had someone uh, sexually abuse her and end up ended up raping her. And when she, uh, so we're about to get real in here, just to let you guys know, uh, when Kay got raped, she contracted a sexually transmitted disease, and uh, the doctor that she was going to essentially said that it was the worst case of that sexually transmitted disease that he had ever seen in his life. And Kay was obviously very mad. She was incredibly bitter, resentful. She was hurt deeply by this person. 
And one day she was in, uh, she was talking to one of the pastors at her church and the pastor simply asked her this question. Have you ever forgiven that guy? And she got so mad. Are you kidding me? This guy has ruined my life. The doctor said that I'm never going to be able to even mother children. Are you kidding me? There's absolutely no way that I'm ever going to forgive that bozo. And she stormed out of there mad. And the Holy Spirit finally kind of caught up to Kay and started to convict her. It started to speak to her and like, oh, yeah, there's some truth to what that pastor spoke. And she fought it for a long time. And finally, even though she didn't fully mean it, she finally forgave. Just she said, I, I forgive this guy who did this to me. You see, what she did was she put herself and her heart in a position of vulnerability before the Lord. Which essentially put her, her heart in a position to receive emotional healing. But it was a process and it took time. And Kay continued to sort through this process. And she would get mad at this guy and she would forgive him. She'd get mad at this guy and she would forgive him again. Until finally these feelings started to go away. And one night this, this evangelist, this crazy speaker dude came into town. And, uh, and one of the things that, that these meetings were known for was that people would get healed. And she came forward and she that night uh, felt like finally she had a point of resolve that there was breakthrough in that forgiveness. And someone uh, ended up praying for Kay that night. And when she received prayer, she literally, uh, she describes it as the power of God came on her so heavily that she literally like collapsed to the ground. And when she woke up and got up, She was 100% healed physically. The sexually transmitted disease was completely gone. She got a call a couple months later from her doctor, frantic, who said, okay, why haven't you been in to see me? Like, we're supposed to be checking up on this, all this stuff. And, like, you, you need to get back in here. Like, we got to stay on top of these things. Like, I, I thought maybe you had moved or went to a different doctor. What is going on? She said, no, 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 the Lord healed me. And the doctor said, no, no, no. Lord, the, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. I need you to come in, and I need you to see me. And Kay said, okay, fine. And so the doctor in her next checkup said, I can't believe this. And this was the quote from the doctor. I don't understand what happened. Not only is your sexually transmitted disease gone, but your body has been restored completely to the form of someone who is a virgin. And written in Kay's medical records is the word miracle. Signed by the doctor, miracle. Guys, God wants to redeem this part of your life. If you have hurt, he wants to restore you to 100%. And whether the physical healing happens or not, the emotional healing can 100% of the time. The spiritual healing can 100% of the time. 
if you're willing to put yourself in a position to say, God, I want to be healed and I surrender myself to you. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to have one, maybe you've had one in the past and you've let it grow cold. And tonight you'd say, I I need to get my life right with Christ. Just raise your hand and look at me. I want you to just raise your hand and look at me. Anybody else? Okay. If you raise your hand to that question, I would love to see you afterwards and walk you through what that means. All right. So I want you to, uh, I, I want you to essentially just come talk to me or find Aaron and say, Hey, I want to, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? And what are the next steps? But if you're here tonight and you have some past that needs healing, you need to forgive some people that hurt you. You've been defining love your own way. Your self-worth has been in a relationship. You've been searching so hard for the right one that you have forsaken your own character development. Or tonight, you want to make the decision to surrender your sexuality to the plan of God for your sexuality. If that's you tonight, I'm just going to ask that you would do some business with Jesus tonight. As we close in another song of worship, I just ask that you would find a, maybe maybe you need to, to move out of your chair and come back and receive some prayer for something specifically. We're going to be available for prayer, but we want you to be able to kind of make this something that's signed, sealed, and delivered and say, God, I am making this change tonight. I'm trusting you. I'm surrendering my love, my dating, and my relationships completely to you. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that these in these next few moments together, that we would be completely 110% surrendered to you. Lord, if there's some healing that needs to take place, would you bring healing? If there's forgiveness that needs to be spoken out, would it be spoken out in our hearts tonight? If there's a love adjustment, if there's self-worth that needs to be placed in you, if there's a, a, a surrender of my sexuality, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would give us courage and strength to say yes and courage and strength to move forward, trusting that you are a good God who loves us well and wants what is best for us and you have our best interests in mind. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come back for prayer if you need prayer for anything at all.